Well, good morning to all of you. It's good to be back here. Two, two weeks ago, I headed out to join Katie and the kids over in the Adirondacks. We had a, a wonderful week with her family at a place called Cranberry Lake. One of uh, the little traditions or customs that we've developed over the years is early in our week of vacation, we'll go into the little village of Cranberry Lake and there's a tiny library there. But they have a, a whole wall of DVDs in the back corner, old movies that they, they have in their catalog. And we'll usually go and pick out a handful of movies and check them out and we'll, we'll stash them away for rainy days at the lake or you know, after dinner when it gets dark when we're eating our ice cream there in the, the main room in the camp, we'll put on a movie. And this year, I, I spotted an old copy in, in the library of My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Anybody remember? That's a, it's a film Katie and I have seen a few times. It's one of our favorite rom-coms. But if you haven't seen it, it, uh, it features the the, the primary actress is, is a, a character named Tula, who is part of this huge Greek family. And she's kind of embarrassed by the behaviors of her family, their eccentricities. But along the way, she meets this guy named Ian, who is not Greek and not from a big family. But of course, they, they fall in love with one another. But as part of that romance, Ian has to navigate how he comes to, to find a sense of belonging in this big, boisterous Greek family. One of the things that I, I appreciate about the film, if you, if you watch the whole thing, is how it depicts what it looks like to, to come into a new family or a new community. And it, it depicts both the, the kind of exhilaration and the excitement. You could see that in this clip. Right, of, of being welcomed in and experiencing something new, being the, the new person. But the film is also full of you know, humorous examples of, of the growing pains that come along with that, both for, for Ian as the person stepping into that new community, but also then for, for Tula's whole family, as they actually have to learn how to bring an outsider into their family network, their family system. Right? The, the process of their romance and, and their engagement forces them to grapple with how do they bring someone new to share in who they are and what they love. This summer, I've, I've suggested that as we read the book of Ruth, I really want us to be thinking about this core value of belonging. That we believe and we want to be, we value being a family that God has created and that God is gathering together and, and putting together in new ways. But I wonder if we could examine some of those, those same tensions that we might see in a film like My Big Fat Greek Wedding and apply that same lens to, to our sense of family, right? We are a, a big JCC family, and we have our own eccentricities, and we have our own insiders and outsiders, but I want us to think this morning about how we share our sense of belonging, how we bring others into it. Because I think that's an important part of why we've been given this book 
of Ruth in, in God's word and in the scriptures. So let me pray for us as we consider that question this morning and as we open up the text. Lord Jesus, I am grateful that this morning we do not worship you alone. You don't ask us to come to church one by one and enter into your presence in isolation, in independence, but you purposefully gather us with a big family every Sunday morning. And Lord, we... We experience the gift and the joy of that, and quite often we experience the the challenge and the tension of that also, finding our way toward, toward what it means to belong to you and to belong to each other. Lord, I pray that this morning the words of my mouth as I preach and teach the meditations and convictions of our hearts as your spirit does its work, that all of these things would be pleasing in your sight. Jesus, it's in your name we pray. Amen. So let me invite you to open up to the second chapter of Ruth. We're going to back up and read a few verses we looked at a couple weeks ago, and then we're going to go on through verse 18 today. As we dig into chapter 2, we're going to meet the the third primary actor or character in the book of Ruth. Chapter 1 has given us a a pretty extensive introduction to both Naomi and Ruth and helped us understand uh, the season of great difficulty and struggle and trauma that they are coming out of. After having left Israel, Naomi goes to Moab, she loses her husband, her sons. But then in God's act of grace and mercy, she comes back to her homeland accompanied by by Ruth, her daughter-in-law. And they are are sort of this unlikely pairing, a new family returning to Bethlehem to start again. In this second chapter, though, we are going to meet Boaz. Boaz. And we're going to see God beginning to do that that redeeming and filling work. Appreciated listening to Dom's message last week. And how he he beautifully illustrated both in his overview of of the whole book, but also in sort of bringing forth the character of Boaz. That Boaz is is someone who takes the character of God. He takes the the self-giving love of God. He takes the mercy of God. And Boaz will make it concrete. Boaz is going to give us a living picture of God's unfailing love. So I want us to to see and, 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 and begin to think about how he does that in this passage. Verse 3 and following. So Ruth went out. She entered a field, and she began to glean behind the harvesters there. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they answered him. 
Boaz asked the overseer of his harvesters, who does that young woman belong to? Go ahead and move the slide forward there. The overseer replied, she is the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained here from morning until now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. For I have told the men not to lay a hand on you. And whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. At this, she bowed down with her face to the ground. And she asked him, why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother in your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord, she said. You have put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of one of your servants. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come over here, have some bread, dip it in the wine vinegar. And when she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain. She ate all she wanted and had some left over. As she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men. Let her gather among the sheaves and do not reprimand her. Even pull out stalks for her from among the bundles and leave them for her to pick up and do not rebuke her. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. Then she threshed the barley she had gathered and it amounted to about an ephah. She carried it back to town and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over after she had eaten enough. Let me encourage you, if you've got your Bibles there or the Pew Bibles in front of you, to keep them open because I want to sort of come back and look at a number of sections in this passage as we go. I've suggested that, that the book of Ruth gives us this biblical vision of what it means to belong, of what it means to be a family. I think Ruth gives us this beautiful picture of how God does that in surprising and unlikely ways. He connects people that we wouldn't always think of connecting. And in the passage we've just read, these 16 verses, think it, it gives us this, this incredible picture of Boaz as one who understands how God does that, who understands God's heart in these things. 
because we see Boaz sharing his belonging with others. Boaz enfolding others in that sense of, of belonging to a place and a people. And as we look at how Boaz does that, I also want then to, to think about how we might follow suit. So I want to I pick out these, these three things that I notice and, and look through the passage at where they come up. The first one is that Boaz has a gift of seeing those who need a place to belong. One of the very first things we're told in this passage, if you look at verse 5, is that Boaz has eyes to see those that others might overlook or ignore. In verse 5, as Boaz comes to his field in the morning and is going about his day's work, we're told that Boaz immediately notices there is a new face among his harvesters, someone he's never seen before. And so he goes to the chief field hand who's, who's overseeing the workers, and he asks, who does that young woman belong to? He even uses that word for belonging. Who does she belong to? Does this woman have a family, a people, a place to claim her, that know her, that welcome her? Boaz is, is sensitive to this new face in his fields. I wonder if we have eyes to see those looking for a place to belong. Right? When you go through your week, whether it's at school, whether it's at the coffee shop, whether it's walking your dog in your neighborhood, at the grocery store, at soccer games, even when you come to worship, maybe especially when you come to worship here on Sunday morning? Are we sensitive to, do we have eyes to see those who are looking to belong? Could we pray, even in just a, a very sort of simple, spontaneous prayer, Jesus, give me eyes to see as I walk my dog today. Or Jesus, give me eyes to see this morning in worship. Or Jesus, give me eyes to see at work today. Someone that you desire to share belonging with. Who might God be prompting us to notice like Boaz notices Ruth here? Connected to Boaz's ability to, to see a newcomer, to see someone looking to belong, I think is, is the virtue of curiosity that he possesses. If you look in the passage, Boaz asks questions. He wants to, to know the fuller story of, of who someone is and where they come from. And so we're told first in that, in that first passage in verse 5, he wants to know who Ruth is, who she belongs to. But then if you go down into verse 11, we see in his exchange with, with Ruth the first time that apparently he's gathered more information about her from other sources, even before this conversation. Because in verse 11, he says to Ruth that he's been told all about her, all about the sacrifices that she's made, all the things that she has left behind 
in order to accompany Naomi back to Bethlehem. Boaz has a curiosity about him. And he wants to know more about her story. And I think that that curiosity comes through not in a suspicious sort of way, right? Sometimes when someone's new, we ask questions because we, we want to hold someone at arm's length. We're suspicious. We're in a sort of keep off my lawn mentality of question asking. But that's not the sense we get from Boaz here. Boaz asks questions. He wants to fill out the story of who Ruth is because he has a compassion about him. He has an empathy about him. When we see those who are looking for a place to belong, when we see them by asking good questions, when we see them by listening to their stories, by practicing curiosity, right, God begins to give us a sense of, of who else is meant to belong here, to his people, to his family. Extending from that curiosity and, and the recognition and, and and beginning to understand who Ruth is and what kind of belonging she needs, we see that Boaz also extends and shares his belonging by being generous with what he has. Look at verses 8 and 9. Remember that, that Ruth has, has taken a, a pretty significant step of courage in coming to his field in the first place. Ruth is a Moabite. She is largely despised among the people of Israel. She's a foreigner. And so for her to even be there and ask for permission to glean that day is, is a big ask. It's a risk. Right? And Ruth could have easily been told off. She could have been ignored. She could have even been taken advantage of by the community there. And we even sense that maybe in that first interaction she has with the overseer in the field, that he's not being particularly welcoming to Ruth. He's taken aback by her request and tells her to wait for Boaz to arrive. But when Boaz comes and when he steps into the field and he understands who this is, this woman that he actually has already heard about by inquiring in the village as, as to her background, he immediately goes out into the field where she's waiting. He goes to her. And essentially, he says, make yourself at home here in my fields. He says, gather in my field, not just today, but every day hereafter. Don't worry about carrying water from, from the village out with you to glean. You can drink from the water my men gather at the well. Don't worry about your safety. I have instructed my men to protect you and to look after you. And so Boaz, because he's curious, because he has eyes to see, he recognizes what her needs are and he offers what he has. He offers food. He offers water. He offers protection and safety. And so sometimes those God brings to us seeking belonging have physical needs that we can help meet. Phyllis shared this morning a great practical way that our community tries to do that with the food shelf. Right? We, can, we can meet a physical need. We can address food insecurity 
for our neighbors in this community. Another great little example of that same thing is the community cupboard that's sitting out next to the bottle drop now, where you can bring things from your garden as the next few months go by and, and put them out for others uh, to glean from, to share in, to appreciate, to feed on. Right? These are small ways, but, but they tell our community that we are noticing them. We have eyes to see them and that we care about their needs. Beyond Boaz's generosity with just physical stuff, though, he's also generous in direct hospitality. Right? Boaz doesn't just put the food in the bin and walk away. He doesn't just write a check to the local charity. In verse 14, we're told that after giving Ruth permission to glean for herself in his field, at the end of the day, when everyone stops to eat, Boaz does not let Ruth sit off alone in the fields and, and eat by herself. We're told that he asks her to sit with him, to sit beside him at his table, alongside his paid workers. And he says to her, eat my bread, right? Dip it in my cup of vinegar. Share some of my roasted grain. There's this sense that, that Boaz is being generous with who he is, with his table, with his hospitality. And we, we, we spent the whole spring right, practicing this as a community, sharing our tables with each other, thinking about how Jesus does these same things when he comes in the Gospels. Right? Sharing hospitality is a leveling experience where we're not just giving charity, but we're actually coming alongside, we're sharing life with those who, who desire to belong. Right? It breaks down a kind of insider-outsider status. So Boaz is generous with the stuff he's got. Boaz is generous with his table, with his presence, with his hospitality. And I think there's also a sense in which Boaz is being generous here with his status in the community. That's something maybe we don't think as much about in our culture. Status. Right? I think we, we like to believe that we live in a democratic society. Right? Where everyone is given the same kind of welcome, no matter who they are or where they come from. But I think our actual experience demonstrates that that's not always the case. Right? In almost every social situation you find yourself in, there's someone in that space that has greater status, and there's someone in that space that has less of it. And our instinct, generally speaking, is to protect our status. Right? Protect our privilege. Protect the, the things that we know will ensure people see us in high regard. But, Joe, but, but Boaz chooses to be countercultural in this sense. He very intentionally chooses to share his status with the person who has the least of it in this situation. And that's Ruth, the Moabitess. Right? Boaz is a local. He's from Bethlehem. Not only is he a local, he's a landowner. Not as, only is he a landowner, but we're told earlier in chapter 2, he is someone of great standing in his community. So with all of that status, 
Boaz says to Ruth, come over here, sit at my table. Sit beside me. This is where you belong. And he signals to the rest of his community how he sees Ruth. In verse 16, he goes even further. And he instructs the hired men in his field to actually not just treat Ruth as an equal, but actually to give her greater status than his hired workers. Because they were only given permission, right, to to glean and, and to bring the grain back to him. But he says, let her glean from among the sheaves, not just from among the leftovers. Give her the best of the barley harvest to take home with her. Boaz is generous with his status, and he shares it with others. Right? All of us possess some kind of status as well. Right? Some place where you're an insider, not the outsider. It could be in your occupations. It could be your place in, in a town or community or, or an extended family. It could be your place in this church family. Maybe you're an insider. How can we share that status, extend it, bless others with it. So we get this picture of Boaz today, right, who knows how to share belonging with others. He knows how to see them. He knows how to bless them and be generous toward them. But the last thing I want us to think about is why does Boaz do this? Where has Boaz learned this? Who who has seen Boaz and noticed him? Who has been generous toward Boaz? And I think the answer that we get in this passage is that Boaz is able to be and, and to act in this way because he has experienced these things himself. And he's experienced them from the hand of the Lord directly. And he's not overt in this passage. He doesn't, you know, sort of shove it down Ruth's throat in terms of of who the source of blessing is. But on a number of occasions, he alludes to and he points to the Lord as the one who has enfolded him and has caused him to belong. Verse 4, the very first words we hear out of Boaz's mouth as he comes into the field early in the morning. What does he say to his workers? He says, the Lord be with you. The Lord's presence be with you today as you do your work. And they answer him saying, and the Lord bless you, Boaz, for your kindness, for your generosity. There's a recognition that Boaz knows the Lord has been with him. That the Lord has seen him. That the Lord has been generous to him. And so, Boaz is able to see everything he possesses as as from the hand of God, from the blessing of the Lord. We find even even more evidence for this in verses 10 through 13. After after Boaz is generous in in extending Ruth the invitation to glean and to drink water from, from the hired men and to be protected in his field, right, Ruth is overwhelmed. She's kind of in awe or shocked by Boaz's kindness. And it says she she falls at his feet. And she says, 
She says, why? Why have I found favor in your eyes? Why do you notice me as a foreigner? Right? This is unusual behavior. But look at how Boaz answers her. His answer is that he has seen Ruth and he's noticed the sacrifices she's, she's made. Remember, he was curious about her story and he understands that she has given away everything. She's given away her own homeland. She's given away the security of finding a spouse there. And she has come seeking to be a blessing to Naomi. And so when Boaz sees that, he says, I want the Lord to bless you in return. And in verse 12, he prays this, this beautiful prayer. It says, may you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Boaz is asking God to see Ruth in the same way that he sees her. God, would you see her need? Would you be generous to her? Would you cause her to belong here? And I think that's a, that's a challenge to us to spend time under the sheltering wings of God. To spend time drawing from and remembering and experiencing and worship the fullness of belonging that we experience in God's presence. Because when, when we spend time sheltering under the, the wings of the Lord, when we know what it's like to belong to Him, right, then, then the, the faithful response that comes out of that is that we want to share, we want to extend that gift to others. We want to expand the kind of family God is creating. And so this morning, I'd, I'd leave you with that picture of who Boaz is. But I'd also invite you, and, and maybe you want to respond with the prayer team this morning in this, if there are places where, where you yourself are longing to experience belonging in a deeper way. Longing to know the, the caring and healing wings of the Lord extended over you. That you might also seek that out and experience that. Right? So that the Lord can minister to you and through you by blessing you be, be part of that blessing to others. Let me pray for us. That this word might, might come to life in us. Lord Jesus, in many ways you uh, you fulfill the example Boaz begins in this passage. Lord, as you took on flesh and moved into the neighborhood, Lord, you ministered welcome. You ministered hospitality. You ministered the status of what it is to belong to the Father and Spirit, the triune God, you gave that status to us. And you invite us to come and not only sit at your table, but to, to feed on you as bread, to drink from you as the cup of life. Lord Jesus, would, would you minister your belonging to this body? 
teach us to hold it with open hands to our neighbors and to our community as well. It's in your name we pray. Amen.